Well, hello and welcome to the next episode of Pegasus Radio and the next in the Meet the Boss series. Today, I am joined by John Brennan of BTP Group. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Paul. Nice to meet you. No, and likewise, thank you for taking part in the podcast. So, John, I wonder, could you perhaps, first of all, just give us a bit of an intro to BTP? I guess some people may know the business as its original name, and maybe you can tell us when yeah, it um, to BTP Group. We're actually in our 50th year. We are actually legally known as Barry Tankle Partnership, and Barry set the firm up in January 1970. So we were hoping to celebrate our 50th year with a celebration party, but we all know what happened in March. Yes. So I suspect we're going to be delaying our 50th birthday party till sometime um, next year. Barry retired, oh, I think about 15, maybe 18 years ago, and we decided we just wanted to shorten our name to BTP Group, mm. although we're still legally known as Barry Tank, just easier to deal with. Yes. A bit like Gardner and Theobald shortening their name to GNT. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We've always been in the West End of London. Mm. Uh, we've always been around the Marlebone area, and... And I've been there since 1987. Uh, okay. One of my other co-directors has been there at the same time, joined a month before me. And it's been a great place to work over the last, God, 40-odd years. Brilliant. We're down a little bit. We're currently at just over 30 staff. Now, all our surveyors are all quantity surveyors. We do quantity surveying and project management and contract administration. We don't employ any other disciplines like building surveyors or architects or anything like that. So we're purely a... PM and QS business. Do you employ, are all your PMs also QSs or, and do both? They do both. We'd like to blend people through. We found that when we've in the past tried to employ pure project managers, they wanted to just project manage. And if we had a gap with project management, they were unwilling perhaps to sort of help out with the more basic quantity surveying type work. So we took a decision a few years ago we want project managers who are QS-based. It gives us more flexibility. Yeah, no, sensible strategy, I think, like you say, more versatility. Yeah. And what are the core sectors, would you say, John, within the business? Ever since we started, ever since Barry started the firm in 1970, we've always been private sector. We've done a little bit of housing association work, a little bit of government, local authority, but very little. It's always been high net worth, commercial developers, end users, institutions like banks or we've done private education hotels things like that but it's primarily private type sector work okay perfect so that's probably quite a you know an interesting one to unpack over in terms of how that's affected you over the last seven months obviously i don't want to dwell too much on the last seven months but how has it affected the business we've actually been quite lucky obviously everybody had a bit of a shock in middle of march mm -hmm. and that first four weeks was pretty scary, pretty unpleasant. Nobody knew what was in front of us. Obviously, contractors were all shutting their sites, but weren't sure whether they should be shutting or not. Clients were all very nervous. But I think after about that first four weeks, kind of people thought, well, we're just going to get on with this. And um, our sites reopened. I don't recall us actually losing any jobs. Actually, we've had no jobs stopped, I think. Maybe one retail scheme job uh, stopped, which is not unusual with but we've been okay, actually. Good. No, that's good to hear. And you didn't have to furlough any of the team at all? We were, no, to be fair, we did. We furloughed about four staff, and we brought two of them back within about three or four weeks, I think, mm. and then we brought the others back. The only person we furloughed, unfortunately, had to make redundant, was our receptionist. Because, as I'm sure you're, you know, everybody else, 
everybody's working at home, everybody's more flexible. Mm. You don't necessarily need somebody answering yes. the phone in the office. She was a, a casualty of that reorganisation, I'm afraid. And going forward, John, do you think everyone will be back in the office? Would you like everyone to be back or is that going to change the way you well, work as a business going forward? That's a really interesting question. We encourage it, perhaps not the right word. We allow people to work, start working back in the office around about the end of July. And we've carried on, even despite this lockdown, although we're not officially saying, please come back to the office. Yes. People are going back. And I would say, on average, we've probably got about 40% of the people coming and going. But then our business is people are out and about all the time anyway. Yes. What we have found is some of the younger staff are desperate to go back to the office. Yes. And I'm sure that's a common theme with a lot of businesses. A lot of the older members of staff like myself couldn't quite get used to working at home, but actually we quite like it now. We also miss the interaction. Yes. And believe it or not, I kind of miss commuting. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that, to be honest. I think, and some people have criticised me for saying that some people do enjoy it because I think it's just almost kind of a bit of compression time, a bit of downtime, where you can, you know, read a book, listen to music. And uh, I think people do do enjoy that separation between work and home, I think. That's right. But going forward, I think we probably are going to be more flexible with mm. the balance between working at home and working in the office. I think we're also going to probably think, well, do we need the size of office we need? You know, and I think a lot of firms are going to be thinking like that and mm. already probably thinking like that. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out, I guess, over the next year. I think some are I, saying, I mean, will they downsize? Some are saying, will they use the office space, the same space, but just differently? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. interesting, I think. Well, I think the most important thing, the most fascinating thing that's happened in this period was we didn't realise we could effectively work remotely and work from home as a business. And suddenly, within probably a couple of weeks, we're all up and running with a business remotely. And I never even knew what teams were until <laughs> the middle of just March. an annoying pop-up that appeared on your screen for a while. Why is it? Why is it? Yeah, not? exactly. Everyone did, I think. <laughs> and it's been really good. I mean, you do miss meeting people. Absolutely. Great. So, John, what do you feel, I guess, the next 12 to 18 months will present for the industry, both, I guess, in terms of challenges and also maybe opportunities? There's always opportunities when there are challenges, aren't there? Yes. So there's always people there willing to take risks mm -hmm. when others are suffering. And we found that in previous, if we call this a recession, we mm -hmm. found that in previous recessions, we found that as QS is, there's always work for us, it tends to be different sort of work. Yes. So... I think there's still opportunities out there in the next 12 weeks. I think it's going to be tough. I think contractors are going to find it tough because obviously we're in the food chain eight to 12 months in front of them, aren't we? So there's not as much work coming through and people are taking longer. So I think the contractors are probably going to struggle more than the consultants next year. Yes. Yeah, that'll be my assessment too. Yeah. You know, we're based in central London. London is probably the best place to be located for potential work. My impression is London's on a bit of a pause at the moment. Interestingly, John, I work in London, but also, you know, in the regions. And I think some of the regions actually seem almost busier than London at the moment. Yeah. But caveat being there is you can never write London off. London will bounce back. I think when people start to commute back into London and we start mm. to get the vibrancy back into London, then it will, you know, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand from investors. I think it will go crazy again. Yeah, you know? no, there is. And foreign investors are still hovering, waiting mm. to pick up bargains. Whilst this is a different circumstance, this is a cyclical thing, isn't it? No, agreed. Definitely. What are the plans for the business for BTP, I guess, over the next, let's say, two years? Do you envisage growing further? Or do you have any kind of longer-term visions for the business? We've always sort of taken a view of it sort of like 
organically will grow. You've got to be, I mean, if you suddenly have plans of expanding the business into like two, 300 staff, well, okay, well, how are you going to do that? And where are you going to get that work from? We're a bit more like, well, we're a bit more niche. We're a bit small, medium size. Um, mm. We follow our clients. There's suddenly there's an expansion of work, then we'll expand to meet that need. We're not driven by, we've got to be the biggest and the best. We just want to be good at what we do. No, again, that's not a bad strategy at the end of the day. You know, too many people no. worry about acquiring new clients and maybe take their eye off looking after their existing clients. Yeah. For the last 50 years, most of our work has come from repeat business and referrals. We've never really been out there trying to open tender for work. It is always about connections and things like that. So, again, that kind of dictates where we go. Yeah, okay. Is there not a danger there sometimes, John, about not equally trying to find new clients just in case, I don't know, some of your old clients, for whatever reason, you know, shut up shop, maybe get sold, whatever well, happen? I think there's always a natural sort of flow of new clients, I remember when Barry retired, you know, within about two or three years, we had totally new clients, you know. So just some, there's a natural sort of regeneration, isn't there? Yes. It just seems to, I can't put my finger on it, just seems to happen. Good. Well, you must be doing a good job, I guess. That must obviously be half the driver. If you uh, you regularly, persistently do a good job for clients, then those clients will give you more work and hopefully yeah. refer the clients to you. I think that the big thing that we, we as a business, we all like doing it, right? And I think hopefully that comes through when you talk to people, our surveyors are out there running meetings or whatever, you know, people enjoy being in our organisation and enjoy the environment. So I think that probably just comes through and that, that in itself probably generates work. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Absolutely. So John, what do you think about the long-term future of the industry you know, over the next decade or two? Obviously, there's a lot of talk around modern methods of construction, about technology, AI, etc. What's your take on how the industry, and I guess maybe how the QS profession is going to change? Well, let's deal with the industry first, comes to QSs in a minute. Mm. I think we're already seeing the modular construction happening. I think there's still a resistance to it at the moment from clients and funders because they don't really understand it. Yes. I think it's going to take off more. I think we've got problems with consistency of design, consistency of workmanship on site. We're obviously going to have labour problems with whatever Brexit we've got. Yes. Or we're going to get... So I think that's going to have more. But then you see modular construction isn't necessarily suitable for refurbishing an existing building in the middle of Oxford Street, is it? It's going to be horses for courses, I think. You mentioned AI. I can't see robot on site, no. personally. But I, you know, I'll stand to be corrected on that. I think the design profession are going to benefit a lot more, for want of a better word, AI. I think they need to benefit from them because mm -hmm. we do have a problem. Maybe I'm being controversial here. We definitely have a problem with design coordination and lack of. And if the AI or whatever you want to call it can improve that side of design, I think that's going to benefit us all. Yeah, agreed. So what do you think is changing, the, I guess, failing in the current design process at the moment? I don't think architects are being trained. I don't think QS is being trained either, but I think architects are being trained to look at how buildings are put together. I think when we as QS stuff are the same way. We're not enough looking at enough of how does one brick go on top of another? Because, you know, you see it all the time, contractors tearing their hair out with designers because the drawings don't tie up with each other. Now, maybe that's to do with fees, maybe that's to do with pressure of time. There's never a straightforward answer. Technology can improve that, and I think it's getting there, but it needs mm -hmm. to be another few steps, I think. Okay. And what about the QS profession, John? Well, it's changed a lot since I started. 
So I've been in the industry since I was 18, and the QS was somebody in the back room producing bills of quantities, and nobody talked to him. And the architect was king of the team. Yeah. Clearly that's changed, and now we're more at the forefront of project mm -hmm. managing jobs, and cost control is more important. I think it's going to change again. I don't think we're going to disappear. I think somebody needs to be at the head of the team. I think mm -hmm. somebody needs to make sure the money is under control. Mm -hmm. Whether technology is going to make that easier, I would hope so. I think what we've got already is, has improved a lot, you know, just with the simple things like Excel spreadsheets. So I don't think QSing is a dying profession. But then I would say that, wouldn't I? <laughs> I hope so. For your sake, I'm mine. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, perfect. So, John, that's all my kind of main questions. I usually, I guess, finish with some more rapid-fire questions, if mm. that's okay with you. Yeah, you're far away. So, I guess the first one, John, is, given this is called Meet the Boss, who has been your best boss in your career and why? You asked me that before. I had to give that some thought. When I first joined Barry Tankle Partnership, which I think was 1987, I was working under a director called Chris Dankester. And I worked solely for him. He's still around. He's doing adjudication now. So okay. it'd be nice if he, was, he listened to this. And I learned an awful lot from him because okay. he was a great listener. He was a very experienced surveyor. And he just mentored me. And yep. it was really nice. Good. And that's, you know, there's a lot, lot to be said for mentoring is, and, and managers having the time to properly mentor juniors yeah. to really get the best out of them. We try and do that a lot. You know, we're really keen on mentoring the younger staff. We're really keen on helping them get through their APCs and mock interviews and all of that. And um, yeah, it takes time, but we actually get a lot out of it. They get a lot out of it. We actually get a lot out of it as well. Perfect. Good. And John, what's the best piece of career advice you've ever heard? There's two. Okay, great. Barry Tankle, and Barry's still around, I hasten to add. One of his mantras was attention to detail. That was it. I'll never forget that. And we keep trying to tell our guys that. Attention to detail. I've got another one. This may sound controversial again. The contractor's not your enemy. Yes. And a lot of people forget that. I think if the whole um, profession or the whole industry, I beg your pardon, would get their head around that, then we'd have a, a lot better yeah. industry, wouldn't we? We yeah, would. Not only is a contractor not your enemy, but if you don't have that supply chain of contractors because mm. you've upset them all, well, mm. you're not much use to your client, are you? No, no, indeed. Because nobody will want to work for you, yeah. work with you. I just wonder how long, John, before we'll move, you know, away from that kind of still very much adversarial, I guess, setup between the contractor and, and the client and their consultants. It's, as much as the, you know, the Latham Report and Egan Report came out years and years ago, it almost feels like we've not really moved forward a huge amount in some ways. It always comes down to money. We've got some really good contractors we're working with. I'm going to keep their names to myself because I don't want them. <laughs> no problem. And we get on really well with them. And, you yeah. know, we move from one job to the next. We negotiate contracts and mm. everything else. Where it goes wrong is where contractor underbids, mm. underprices, and he's got to recover it somewhere. And then people get upset. Well, why are you claims conscious and all that? Well, two ways of playing it, isn't there? So I think just being realistic with each other day one about what's the right price for the job can get rid of a lot of conflict. Yeah, no, great. Absolutely. But and that's got nothing to do with Latham. That's just, I don't know, it's just common sense, really. Yes. Well, a lot of this is common sense, isn't it? It's just, um, yeah. sadly, not applied very often. And then no, certainly in the current market we're finding now, I don't know if you're finding it, John, but certainly a lot of our clients, who are obviously my clients are consultancies, are all telling me that, you know, some of the underbidding going on 
it's just insane at the moment and causing potential jeopardy for the industry. Yeah, I mean, we've actually had to walk away from a few jobs where mm. the clients found a contractor and we just can't do it. We, we just know it's not going to work. And we yeah. say, well, I'm yeah. not sure we can help you here because he's the wrong contractor with the wrong price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But call us up when you need us. <laughs> when it's all gone wrong. It's probably in about eight months' time. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, John, what's the worst piece of career advice you ever heard? The worst piece of career advice was just get the report out. I just need it out on Thursday afternoon. Just get rid of it, right? And it, but it hasn't been checked, and that always invariably comes back to bite you. Yeah. Yes, meet your timescales, but don't rush it. Make sure it makes sense. Yes. Go back to your original point about attention to detail. The, the yeah. Three very simple words. Last question, John. What's the best business book? you've ever read? I'm going to sound like a, a bit of a philistine here. I haven't read any business books. Not everybody has, that's good. <laughs> that's not true. I've tried to read business books, but I find that they get so bogged down in their own science and yeah. buzzwords and that. And to me, the best business book in running a business, and, and I've been ahead of this business now for, God, I don't know how many years, is common sense, listening to your peers, listening yeah. to what everybody else is trying to do. Yeah. You know, I think we probably don't talk enough as mm. consultants to each other. You know, we should be feeding off each other saying, you know, how are you invoicing? How are you chasing debts? How are you managing your cash flow? You know, how are you nurturing and looking after your staff and looking after your clients? You know, because we're all in the same boat. Absolutely. Yes. Maybe I should write a business book. It wouldn't <laughs> be very so. long. It wouldn't be very long. Common Sense Business by John Brennan. It's got a ring to it. <laughs> John, that's me out of questions. Thank you very much for your time. Is there anything you. you would like to add that you feel we've maybe not covered that you'd like to discuss? I, I suppose I'd just like to say, you know, it's, I've been in this industry since I was 18, which is a long time ago now. Mm. I've thoroughly enjoyed every day in it. Not quite sure how I managed it, but my two children followed me into the profession. Right. So, and that wasn't me persuading them, but they just followed. So, obviously, something rubbed off. And Are they both QSs, John, or? Yeah, yeah, Excellent. yeah. And it's a great industry to be in. You meet some amazing people, all walks of life, and it's not boring. No, never the same day, is it? No. Nah. <laughs> construction. So, young surveyors out there, or young people out there want, thinking about the profession, yeah, you won't make loads of money out of it. You'd be better off going into the city, but it's a great, exciting industry to be in. Spot on. No, I agree. And I, I don't know, John, the rate at which um, QS salaries are going up, I think some of them might be <laughs> might do quite well out of it. I'm not going to get drawn on that one. <laughs> John, thank you very much for your time. I really hey, do appreciate you. it. Lovely Thanks to meet you. Being involved. You too. Take care. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye.